With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average. Plus, it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I'm joined, as always, by Pat Fitzmorris at Fitz underscore FF on the Twitter machine. Fitzy, how you doing, man? Doing great, Bogs. Uh, giddy with anticipation about the draft. We are now a week away, and uh, it's high time to get it on. I mean, a few days to make it through before we get there. But, um, yeah, I'm getting pretty fired up and uh, fired up to have a great guest this week. That's right. Russell Brown of Fantasy Pros joins us, the NFL Draft analyst. Follow him on the Twitter at Russ NFL Draft. Russell, welcome. Thank you for uh, coming on and talking some NFL Draft. And I bet you're excited to get this uh, this rocking and rolling too, right? Oh, absolutely. I appreciate you guys for letting me, you know, come in here, talk a little fo- football and, and just have a lot of fun. But yeah, no, I'm excited for next week. It's like it just you're starting to get bottled up with with the emotion and excitement about it. And it's, you know, it's feeling like a kid on Christmas and my wife already knows the drill. She's already texting friends. She's like, Russell told me for three days, don't look at him. Don't talk to him. Don't smell him. Don't do anything. So like she knows the drill. We got protocols coming in play. So she's going to probably leave next week and we'll be, uh, we'll be doing a lot of live stuff and I'm excited about it. Do you remember like your first NFL draft? Like, either excitement, disappointment, like how old were you? What team was it? Which prospect was it? Whatever it was, what was your like first enjoyment or hatred of the NFL draft when your team did something right or wrong? Uh, 2000, was it two or 2003? I'm a lions fan. I'm from Michigan. So I have that going for me, but (laughs) I remember in 2002, 2003, Joey Harrington was on the cover of NCAA. It was like, okay, this guy's the real deal. The Lions took him like second or third overall. We thought we had our quarterback. We ended up taking Calvin Johnson, Roy Williams, Mike Williams, and it just never worked out. But I just remember taking him and I was so excited. And like, I remember previous NFL drafts. Like I remember when the Lions took Terry Fair rather than Randy Moss, but like, it's very, you know, I, I, it's not fully in my brain. Right. Like, but the, the 2002-2003 one was when it like really started to hit. And then obviously with the Lions always being bad, the, 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 the draft's been my Super Bowl. And it's been what I've been most passionate about for 20 plus years. So it's been, uh, yeah, it's been awesome for the last 10 years covering it. And obviously, you know, doing this one with you guys this year and, and hopefully many more afters is really exciting. Fitz, it's always fun. Do you have that moment too of the NFL draft where you're like, oh, the Packers got so-and-so or didn't take so-and-so? Do you have any of that? Boy, um, what was the year that um, Bill Polian got really mad at Mel Kuyper? For, oh, wow. Uh, that was in the 80s, wasn't it? Wasn't that 89 yeah, 90? I mean, yeah. that one I remember well. Like, I mean, I've I've been watching, you know, I hate to, uh, you know, date Trent myself. Dilfer? Was no, that because they didn't take Trent Dilfer? They were like, this is why the Colts... Yeah, maybe that that's Mel Kiper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Typical Colts move. I remember him saying that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, God, I can probably remember going back to like the very early 80s, watching some of those old ones on ESPN where, you know, they, they go to the tables like and like they're ashtrays and guys yeah. smoking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like the, you know, just a few like crazed Jets fans, like up in the rafters, like, you know, booing <laughs> whoever the Jets, like, 
those old days were the best, man. And uh, I'm kind of jealous of Russell this, like as a Lions fan this year with the Lions having four picks in the first two rounds. I mean, you've got to be giddy about what uh, the first couple of days are going to look like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's funny too. Like I've, I do a lot of radio stuff and, and different podcasts. People always ask me the Lions stuff. They're like, hey, we know you're a Lions fan. W- what do you want them to do? And like for the first time in my life, I'm like, I really don't care what we do in this these first four picks, like take, just take good football players. That's yeah. Yeah. Like that's literally it because they can use anybody. And really, I think the only thing that I would be upset about is at six, if they drafted a receiver, because I don't think there's a receiver worth taking at six, but if they took one at 18, I could understand it. If they took one on day two, I could understand it, but yeah, I'm, I'm pumped and, you know, doing some stuff with the lion's wire with USA today as well. Like, being able to to kind of do both with the draft with with us at Fantasy Pros and then that stuff, it, it's just I, I'm going to be knee deep in content next week and I can't wait. It's fun, man. Let me ask you something real quick, Russell. This is uh, sort of you know off the show sheet, but um, considering where the Lions are at and like the needle is definitely pointing up for the Lions, and they're probably not going to be in a position to be able to get a top tier quarterback in the NFL draft anytime soon. Cause I don't expect to see them drafting top 10 again for a while. What do you think about the possibility of them maybe going for like Anthony Richardson, if he's still there with their sixth pick and, and sort of planning for, uh, you know, a post golf future and, you know, the guy who could maybe take them to the promised land when their roster is where they want it to be in a year or two. Yeah, it's possible, right? Like it's, it's very possible. I think it could happen. Um, I, I think they would definitely be interested in, in improving the position. They've made that very clear during this off season and I'm okay with Anthony Richardson. I know a lot of people are like, I don't want him. He's going to be a bust. And it's like, well, you're not watching him move in the pocket. You're not really seeing the arm strength. You're not, you're, you're looking past all that and you're only looking at the bad throws. There's a lot of good on tape with him. So he would make sense to be the guy there at six, just because he could sit behind golf. He could get some polishing. And maybe in two years when golf is gone, that's your guy. I'm for it. I'm, I'm totally for it. And you you look at your team, you know, the Packers, they had to make that decision with Jordan Love. They brought in a guy that sure, maybe isn't, you know, got the same skill set as uh, Anthony Richardson, but they had to pull the trigger on that position as well. And the Lions could be faced with that same thing, but it does feel like golf is their guy. So I wouldn't be surprised if they just went defense at six. So We'll kind of see how it plays out, but I'm not opposed to AR at all. He's awesome. How many times uh, in your Lions watching uh, life uh, for us, have you heard a Packers fan say, I'm jealous of the Lions fan? Uh, (laughs) Was that a first? It's a first. We might have gotten a first ever on this podcast live. So I just wanted to uh, mention that to everyone. I thought that was a little passive aggressive from Pat here, but uh, (laughs) just, just show him your trophies, Pat. It's okay. Uh, but look, well, um, after they knocked us out of the playoffs last year, you know, I think that's probably not the first time the uh, Lions are going to be <laughs> inflicting misery or not the last time they're going to be inflicting misery on the Packers in the years to come. It's all cyclical. Uh, it's all cyclical unless you're a Browns fan. Uh, then it's just a straight line. But uh, <laughs> before we get into the meat here, I got to tell you guys, uh, I just want to mention that we're going to be covering the first round. On uh, of the NFL draft live on the Fantasy Pros YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash fantasy pros. If you're watching this, you're on there now. So, coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, April 27th. So, we will be live for the draft. Um, it won't be me. Uh, I think Pat might be making an appearance on day one. Uh, I, we know, of course, Joe and Andrew will. So, um, yeah, just check it out. It's going to be a lot of fun and you'll get instant reaction from uh, the FP crew here during the draft. But let's dive in here, uh, Russell. And and, uh, Fitz, I'm going to set you up because you have the first QB question for us here. All right, Russell. Yeah, in addition to uh, the Anthony Richardson take, uh, I was kind of curious, like if you were the general manager of the Panthers, what would you do with the number one pick? Which quarterback would you go for? I mean, I... I would go with Bryce Young. He's the the best quarterback in the draft, in my opinion. And with what it sounds like, how they're going to be building that offense with a lot of RPO style stuff, I think that's what Bryce Young is going to be best suited to do at the next level. And I understand the the concerns with the weight and the overall frame and how he can withstand contact at the next level. But when we watch him play, I mean, he is a point guard. And I, I said that back in 
uh, January, February, he, you know, he, he, he plays it like Steph Curry. He's going to drive to the lane. He, you think he's going to run it. And then all of a sudden he goes laterally and he makes an impressive throw off platform and he can make every single throw. So I love the skill set with him. And, and I think he's somebody that when you watch him in interviews, he's very calm, cool, and collected, very poised. And he seems ready for the big stage. And I, I don't have to worry about him not showing up or showing up or saying something out of line. Like he's, he seems committed to the game and he just seems like the franchise guy. So that would be the direction I go. Ultimately, I think that's the direction they go next week. And obviously we'll see what happens, but I, I think that's the right pick and they need a guy that can play right away. I think Bryce Young can. I thought it was smoke. I honestly thought it was smoke. I thought they were trying to squeeze yeah. that extra, you know, pick back out of, uh, Houston or something, uh, with all the Bryce young talk, because we knew the Texans love Bryce young. Uh, but it looks like uh, lovey really did curse them and they'll be uh, stuck <laughs> with their second option on the board there. Um, Russ, I want to know what you're like pre-draft. Obviously the landing spot is going to change a bunch for these guys, but in a super flex draft fantasy draft right now, what will your top five picks be as of this second before the draft? Yeah. I mean, Bryce Young would be, you know, probably the number one pick. Um, he, he just makes so much sense for all the reasons that I just talked about. Probably CJ Stroud after that, uh, just because I, I think overall landing spot, he's going to go to a place where he should play right away. I think the team that makes the most sense if he ends up getting there is Ford Indianapolis, and I think he would play right away. Bijan Robinson, obviously out of Texas. There's so much to like with him. I think he's a top 10 pick next week, and I think a team like Philadelphia at 10 would make a lot of sense. I even think Atlanta at eight would make a lot of sense, and I would certainly keep tabs on you know, Chicago at nine. Uh, I think one of those three teams could be very interested in him. I, I am curious if Brad Holmes and the Detroit Lions end up pulling the trigger on Bijan at six, uh, just simply because of he, he was a part of the regime in LA when they took Todd Gurley at 10 a few years ago. And I think this is a team that values the running back position. And they, you know, last year, the, the Lions during the season, they traded away TJ Hawkinson midseason. I wouldn't be surprised if they dangled that carrot with DeAndre Swift during yeah. the year. And, and we Maybe see even during the draft, my, if they're going to take Bichon, right? It, exactly. So I think that there's going to be some some interesting moves made, and, and I, I could see that potentially being the, the fit. But outside of that, you know, I'm going to throw Michael Mayer in there. I, I think no matter where he goes, he's going to be a top tight end. And when, when, I, when I look at him, I, I don't know if he goes to a team like Green Bay. That's not really what they do. But if he ended up going there, I think that's where he could have the most success right away because they don't have any tight ends on the roster outside of, I think, uh, Josiah DeGuara, if I, if I remember correctly. And I, I think at that point, you get a guy that is going to be steady Eddie, like Chris Olave. When he came out last year, I said, he's going to be five for 75 every single week. I think that's going to be the same type of deal here with Mayer, five for 60, and it's going to be consistent across the board. Uh, and then just lastly, throwing a flyer out there, I'm going to say Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA. I would be really curious where he lands. I think as a day two pick, you can get you know some really good value there. And I think teams that you know are in the first round, like I mentioned, Atlanta, potentially Chicago, or even Philadelphia, they have that need for the running back position. They're not maybe they don't spend the, the day one premium for it. Maybe they do it on day two. But if Charbonnet ends up going to a place like that, I think he could be a, a top back in, in a backfield somewhere. I got to follow up on that. Then uh, I mean, Fitz, that's Charbonnet over Gibbs. Uh, that, that I, it's not like the hottest take ever, but I think most people have Gibbs as a number two back on their board. You would take Charbonnet over him. I Gibbs is still ranked higher on my board, but I just, I think overall, like with landing spot, like if, if Jamari Gibbs ends up going somewhere in the first round, let's say he goes to new Orleans or he ends up going to Kansas city, he might get buried a little bit on a, on a depth chart. Not sure. saying he won't get featured at all, but if if he's only going to catch me 40 passes out of the backfield and I'm potentially not even in a PPR type league or something like that, then I'm, it's kind of dangerous. Higher so chance to get think, relegated for him than, than it is it, for Charbonnet. Is that, is that exactly. It? Okay. Th that's what I think. That makes sense. Yeah, that, that's an interesting point. And I know, uh, Boggs, that Thor Nystrom, our own Thor Nystrom, does have Charbonnet ahead of Gibbs in his running back rankings. So, yeah, um, it, it, it feels like that is um, 
it, it's not it's not crazy. I think a month ago it would have been crazy. Everyone's like, what? You got Charbonnet over Gibbs? Now it's like, I think people are digging a little deeper and seeing what Charbonnet does and seeing that he's a complete back and going. So I, I have, I still have Gibbs ahead of him just to peel the curtain back there, but I do have Charbonnet in his own tier. So like it's, it's Bijan. It's really the top three are in their own tier to me It's Bijan and then Gibbs and then Charbonnet. And then I have a big chunk of like four to five guys after that. So I, I'm not that. I mean, Charbonnet is a great back. And if he lands in the right situation, like Damian Pierce did last year, where Damian Pierce was a number two on anyone's board last year, as far as running backs go before the draft, after the draft, he goes to Houston where they don't have a quarterback. The, the offensive line is pretty bad and they don't have any running backs. This is Rex Burkhead. And you go, Whoa, well, let's go ahead and crank Damian Pierce on up in our rankings here. Same exact thing could happen for Charbonnet. If he lands in a spot um, that is good for him. And, you know, I think if you put Charbonnet and Gibbs in that same spot, I would still say Charbonnet would have more carries. Like if they're both in, uh, you know, the same backfield, I would say Charbonnet gets more carries because just because he's a bigger bruiser, obviously more explosion uh, from Gibbs and higher potential in a PPR league, which is what I play in a lot, which is why I probably have Gibbs slightly ahead of Charbonnet. Uh, but but obviously preference uh, goes there. Um, so my, my main point wasn't even to talk about Charbonnet. Uh, in that five, I wanted to see uh, where you had Richardson or Levis. Um, we talked about Richardson a little bit already. I mean, I just think that Richardson has the highest ceiling of any QB in this draft. So I'm probably going to have him just for fantasy rank number one in a dynasty league in, in a redraft league. I don't know if he starts this year, obviously. So I'll definitely have young and Stroud ahead of him because they seem pretty locked. Um, is how far back would Richardson be on there in your first round pre-draft and is Will Levis close or is he just far away? I, I think Stroud and Richardson would, would be somewhere in that top 10 or maybe just a, a pick or two outside of that top 10. It really just depends on landing spot for, for the two of them. I, I, I think that's why Bryce Young would be at one because, you know, we, we feel like we know where he's going to go, but if Richardson goes to, you know, potentially Las Vegas, he, you know, he might sit for a, a whole year. Now, obviously we, we know the point of the dynasty is for long-term. So you might be willing to take him at six or seven, but at that point, you know, I, I think that would be it, it, the earliest he would go in my opinion at six or seven and Levis, it would, it would just depend on Stroud. I mean, if, if Levis ends up going to like Tennessee or maybe if he, even if he ends up going to Houston at 12, maybe that would bump him up a little bit because I think he would be the better quarterback on either one of those rosters. But it just really depends on landing spots. So if it's a if it's a place where he could play potentially right away, he'd be in the top 10 for me. If not, then it would probably be just outside, like at, at 11, 12, maybe 13. Man, if Tennessee drafts a QB, I haven't seen a quarterback lose more steam than Malik Willis outside of maybe Josh Rosen, right? Like so fast, yeah. just... Uh, out and drummed out but uh all right uh, interesting uh answers here what, what do we got fitzy what's next yeah the one quarterback um you know in this top group we haven't talked about yet russell is hendon hooker and it seems like um there's an interesting and wide range of possibilities as far as where he could land in the draft what do you think is like the earliest that hooker could possibly go because you know now we're seeing him start to get mocked pretty consistently in the first round but like could we be surprised and maybe he winds up being a top 20 pick or even higher? I th I think top 20 is possible. And in, in my mock 2.0 for fantasy pros, I've, I put him at 12 to Houston. I think it's a very interesting landing spot. If he's not ready to go by the start of the year, they still have Davis Mills. I'm not saying he's the above all be all. We all know kind of what he is, but if, if it buys you three, four or five weeks, you know, do we really think the Houston Texans are going to be competing for the division this coming year anyways? Probably not. So I think he makes some sense there at 12. Uh, but if you go further down the board, I mean, I, I would be curious if the Washington commanders would consider him. I know they seem to be invested in Sam Howell, but could they, you know, be blowing some smoke there? Would they be interested? I think Seattle at 20 would make some sense. And even Tampa Bay at 19. I think Tampa Bay at 19 with the quarterback, with the room that they have, we we know what Baker is. We don't really know what Kyle Trask is, but I still I don't trust that fit and as the long term answer. So if if these teams wanted to add some you know some, some quarterback competition, that's I, I think what 
what they need to do. And, and, and I think in that top 20, there's just a lot of landing spots. And even if you look at Detroit at 18, who, I mean, if they pass at six, they've done a lot of research on Hendon Hooker. I know that for a fact, especially down at the senior bowl, and they seem to kind of be enamored with them. So maybe that's their guy at 18. And, and it really wouldn't surprise me if a team maybe even tries to trade up to get them uh, like maybe a Baltimore, if they can't resolve this stuff with Lamar Jackson, they don't feel like they can do it. Maybe they move up a couple spots. You never know. Yeah, I mean, if Aaron Rodgers falls through, the Jets could be in play for a QB too. Like, there's yeah. uh, tons of stuff still unanswered at this point. I feel bad. You know, I, I know Russ, you don't feel bad for the, the Packers at all, but like they haven't, no. they've been hamstrung by uh, Aaron Rodgers this whole offseason. They haven't been able to make any moves at all. Like, you know, I went through before free agency and I made a list of like what each team needs and what they need to get done. And the only one with almost all red still is the Packers because we haven't seen uh, any answers there. But uh, what's the lowest, what's the farthest Hendon Hooker could fall, do you think, Russ? I, I mean, I would be surprised if he fell out of the first round, but if he did, I, I mean, he would have to be a, a, a top 40 pick at some point. I just feel like the teams in the back end, I'm going to pull up the draft orders look in. I mean, the, the Rams at 36 would kind of be intriguing, just maybe as insurance to Matthew Stafford with all the injuries that he's had. If Seattle passes on a quarterback, you know, at five and 20, could he be the guy there at 37? If the Raiders pass on a QB at seven, I think, you know, the Raiders at 38 make a lot of sense, but there's just been so many teams in the top, you know, in the first round that have done the research on them. I mean, the New York Giants have, have, have visited with them. I, I believe the Saints have visit, visited with them, and the Saints have picked twenty nine and then forty. So I, I think I just I think he he gets somewhere in that first round just because of the, the fifth year option and and getting him off the knee and all that stuff. It's been a rise to the first round for Hooker the last couple like weeks. It feels like like three weeks. It, it's been like that. But I think what we need to remember is that you want to take a quarterback in the first round, even if you're like trading up into the first round to get him because you get that extra year option to keep mm -hmm. him uh, off of his rookie contract. So if you get him in the second round, you can only guarantee his contract through four seasons. You can add a fifth if you take him as a first rounder. So a team taking a quarterback might try to slide up or maybe even slide back in the draft in the first round. Um, to get him just to add that extra year in case he does work out uh, as a franchise level QB. So uh, just keep that in mind uh, as we've seen this rise from hooker over the last three weeks, that would be the main reason why I think he would go in the back end of the first is to add that extra year. So, um, but before we move on, uh, I got to tell you guys, subscribe, subscribe to the fantasy pros, YouTube channel and comment below this video, because when you do, you can win a free FRWE upgrade, the fantasy pros premium. Whether you're looking for fan for custom mock drafts, salary cap draft tools, or in-depth analysis of your fantasy performance, Fantasy Pros Premium has the tools to help you win. Unlock the most powerful fantasy tools in the industry. Don't want to wait for the giveaway? Sign up today at fantasypros.com slash premium and start playing smarter, not harder. Now, Russ, there's, um, you know, we always think of the prospects. Where the prospects going to go? Where the prospects going to go? But the NFL draft will impact a lot of players already uh, in the NFL. And I'm worried about some of these running backs because we've heard rumors swirling of, you know, these teams maybe adding a vet or adding a back through the draft. And as we get to the draft, I just want to take your temperature here. Uh, one through 10, one being not worried at all. 10 being very, very worried about these running backs and their potential about a team adding a big name next to them. So let's start out with the Cowboys and Tony Pollard because everyone says it's Tony Pollard season. But Malik Davis is the only other running back with experience on this roster now. So they're definitely adding a running back in the draft or, you know, signing one immediately after the draft, something um, they're, they're going to add to this room. Are you afraid maybe if like Bijan starts to slip, Dallas comes up for him and maybe puts him next to Pollard and that would wreck all the Pollard love. Yeah, if they ended up, you know, right now, I, I'm keeping Tony Pollard as a one, not being very worried at all. Um, I, I love Tony Pollard. He, for my fantasy leagues last year, he kind of single-handedly saved and got me into the playoffs. <laughs> but, uh, you know, with that, if Bijan ended up falling a little bit and he ended up going to Dallas, that one would probably turn into like a five or a six. But I still see 
them having a role for Tony Pollard, regardless of who they draft. And I don't see them taking a running back uh, too early in the draft. I mean, at least not in the first round, unless they ended up with Gibbs somehow, I could see that being kind of like a, a Jerry Jones type of move. But fun fact, Deuce Vaughn, his dad is a scout for the Dallas Cowboys. So maybe, maybe there's an interest there uh, if they wanted to, you know, bring in kind of a pass catching back. But um, overall, yeah, I would say it's a one. And even if they added a Deuce Vaughn or, or if they added a, a Tajay Spears, it, maybe it would move, you know, a notch or two down, but nothing too crazy. I would still draft Tony Pollard in the first round. Yeah. I mean, it's really only Bijan and Gibbs and Charbonnet that would even threaten Pollard, right? Fitz? Yeah. I would think so. Yeah. The yeah. other guys, it's just kind of a committee type situation and like probably no bigger a role than Ezekiel Elliott had last year for the Cowboys. Exactly. So yeah, not, not much worried. How about Ramondre Stevenson? Um, you know, obviously picked up and was awesome, uh, last season and, uh, Damian Harris is gone. So it looks like, Hey, Stevenson is the man, but it's not usually the way that Bill Belichick operates with his RBs. Yeah, I think that they could add a running back if they did. I, I mean, with them, it's probably a day three guy, whoever that running back might be. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's Eric Gray from Oklahoma. They've gone, they've gone down that well before. Uh, but ultimately, it would probably be a two or a three for me on Stevenson. He's just been so consistent this past year. He's been probably the most consistent back they've had out of the backfield for quite some time. I mean, really the, the, the last two seasons. So I, I think it's, it's going to be just fine for him as, as far as being a pass catcher. I love his running style. I love the fit for him there. And as they commit to the run, as they've shown over time, I mean, it's going to always help the quarterback. And I think they want to try to find ways to help Mac Jones. So if that's the case, I think Stevenson just, you know, as a two or three there with, with being on the worried scale, I, I, I would still consider drafting him even in the first round somewhere. How about, uh, Rashad white, uh, with, uh, Tampa Bay, because one of the favorite mock spots, because it gets, you know, a running back. A lot of people are just out on running back in the first half of the first round, completely understandable. You know, they've been pushed back for sure, but Tampa Bay with no quarterback to draft here, maybe unless maybe hooker is around. Seems like, Let's just add a guy that could carry the offense. Bijan is a huge mock draft uh, guy to Tampa Bay. Are you worried for Rashad White? If they ended up with Bijan at 19, absolutely. I'd be <laughs> like, okay, this, this is a you know seven or eight. I could see him having some, some type of pass catching role a little bit. Uh, but even then, Bijan's a, a far better pass catcher in my opinion. So it just would depend on who it is. If if they ended up getting Zach Charbonnet, I kind of like that fit actually. As I think about it, like if they took him at like fifty or fifty two, everything their they wanted round. from Ronald Jones. Yeah, right. Yeah. I think it, even if they got Charbonnet, I'd be like, okay, White's more of like a six or a seven on the worry scale. But um, I would keep it probably around there, six or seven. Just really depends on who they get, and you really got my my wheel spinning on it because I'm trying to think of like other backs that fit, and it they're kind of a fun running back landing spot. Like come to think of it, for day day two or day three of the draft, they got a ton of day three draft capital, so. I could see them moving up into the fourth or even third round to try to get a guy like a Spears, a Charbonnet, uh, maybe even a Devin A-chain or something like that. I think that'd be like a Spears or an A-chain would be a great combo with White. Mm -hmm. I think that would really fit uh, with what they want to do there. That'd be fun. How about the last three I got here? It just if you have a worry about any of these guys, it's J.K. Dobbins. I just really didn't like how last year ended in him talking smack, and it just felt real weird. They also babied him and... He came back too soon. It was a weird year for him last year. Tyler Algier with Atlanta, who kind of just gained this role at the end of the year, and now we're all excited about him. And now, you know, the betting odds uh, right now in Vegas are Bijan to Atlanta. So a uh, little worried about him. And then uh, Rashad Penny with Philly because Philly has that number 10 pick, and Bijan is definitely an option there. I, I will like to just say I, I want to take blame for Vegas and the odds moving up because I think <laughs> I was the first person to have at the Atlanta Falcons taking Bijan, so I would just like to to take blame for that. But uh, I, I would say that those guys probably are all around the eight to ten range for me because I, I'm just you know if if Bijan goes to Atlanta, 
Algier's a good complement to him, but he's not going to be the featured back. And I think Bijan, no matter where he goes, if he went to any of those landing spots, he's a 300-touch type guy. I really do believe that. J.K. Dobbins, that's a 10. The guy can't run. I mean, we saw him last year trying to power his way through, but there's very little juice left for him. And maybe he's a between-the-tackles, goal-line type guy. But other than that, I, I don't see the juice that he had when he came out of Ohio State. Rashad Penny, he's kind of the same way. There's not really a lot of juice there. And I like the fit there with Philly, but ultimately I, I believe he's on a one-year deal. So it wouldn't surprise me if they target a running back at some point. Maybe they get Charbonnet. Uh, and even then, I, I no matter who they add, Penny, Penny and uh, Dobbins are tens for me for sure. Gotcha. Yeah, um, Penny. I mean, I that would be an eleven for me. I think I, they're I absolutely like adding him. someone. I don't like him, but like every time he plays, he's unbelievable. And it's like, oh, <laughs> Rashad Penny's one of the best backs in the NFL when you watch him. I and I, I I don't doubt that he is a very good back. But availability is the best ability is the old scouting trope, and he does not stay on the field. So I, I have zero shares, and I will never have a share of Rashad Penny. They need to keep him in a committee. You know, they just can't give him the sort of like Chris Carson usage that Seattle wanted yeah. to give him because he's just going right. to, you know, instantly be hurt. Yeah, I'm with you. What do you got next? Fitzy? Yeah. Um, Russell, would you be shocked if Zay Flowers were to be drafted ahead of Jackson Smith and Jigba? And um, just maybe you could also give me your overall take on Zay Flowers and whether you think, um, you know, the Antonio Brown comps that we've heard. Uh, they seem to be a little far-fetched to me, but it's interesting that people would throw that name out there when talking about Zay Flowers. I, I like the player. Uh, he's a he's a vicious route runner, right? Like violent feet, and he's got a flexible lower half. Uh, the, the frame, obviously, is a little worrisome when you look at, you know, 5'9", 182 pounds, but he did put on 13 pounds going into the combine. You love seeing it. He carries it well. He, he still tested well. He ran a 4-4-2. Um, I, I really like the player. I think he shows great tracking ability. And ultimately, I, I do think there's a, a shot that he goes as the first receiver. And I think, you know, maybe even a team like the, the New England Patriots are at 14. They got to work with him at the East-West Shrine Bowl. They really loved him down there. And I think with the need there for a, another slot receiver or just a, another receiver in general, he makes a lot of sense there. But if they ended up passing... I could see, you know, a landing spot there where he he could go to a team like the the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know it feels like they've circled in on offensive tackle and corner, but you know the the need for wide receiver still is somewhat there, even with the weapons that they have. Um, but beyond that, I, I just I think a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, I think that they're going to be active on draft day. I think that they're going to try to move up, and I think that that's who I have him going to because of a trade with Baltimore. So. I think that that's ultimately what we see, you know, something in the, in that type of lens. So I like Zay Flowers that the Antonio Brown cop I thought was very interesting. And I, I think it's actually a really good one. I think they are very comparable when you look at their style and just overall frame and size. So it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up having that type of production. And it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up being the most productive receiver in this class, because he does seem like he's the dedicated workhorse and quote unquote, as I like to call him, you know, the dog of the group. There isn't really like that lead dog or that alpha wide receiver in this group this year. But if, if I had to put some money on it, I would say probably Zay Flowers because he's showing he's putting it, he's putting in the work, he's running routes. Uh, it seems like every day there's clips of him running routes. He's putting in the work and the time. So I love seeing that type of stuff. And if, if he can keep his head on right to get that comp to AB, I think it's, I think it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I love I love that notion of him going to the Chiefs that you threw out. And I think you mentioned that the Chiefs have like 10 draft picks and probably yeah. are not going to have room for 10 guys on their roster. Yeah. Um, so that would be fun. I mean, let the mad scientist Andy Reid work with that kind of speed at wide receiver. Uh, that'd be a lot of fun to see. We, we could watch all of Debro's enthusiasm for Sky Moore die live. <laughs> when the Chiefs select uh, Zay Flowers on uh, Thursday night, that would be a lot of fun. Fitz, is Zay is Zay your number two? I know you like him. I uh, he's I number two really, on a lot of boards, so I it's not a crazy notion. No, I have struggled with the um, debate about whether to move him ahead of Quentin Johnston, but technically, I still have QJ ahead. Um, if you were to put me on the clock in a dynasty rookie draft and it was between those two, man, that would be a <laughs> violent internal struggle. 
that would test your metal right there uh, for sure. And uh, speaking of, uh, let me tell you guys about Reality Sports Online. By now, most of you have heard of Reality Sports Online, the powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to see what all the buzz in the Dynasty community is about. Free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Think it sounds complicated? It is not. The best thing about Reality Sports' online fantasy front office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. Think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, this is a platform to test your metal. Still not sure? You can test out your general manager skills for free, FRWE, in a mock today. If you like what you see, use the promo code FANTASYPROS to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. And just to mention, Fitz and I are going to be starting a league on Reality Sports uh, right after the NFL draft. And if you would like to be involved in that, check out our Discord that we do uh, every single Friday at 5 Eastern. Obviously, on draft day, we won't have it, but we will have it um, every week moving forward after that. And we are gathering names up to potentially do a raffle. Uh, or something like that to give away spots in that league. So please check that out on the Fantasy Pros Discord. Uh, Russell, I got a question for you because I have the exact same wide receivers in my top five in order that you do on your board. We're Jordan Addison guys, and we're not apologetic about it. I love Jordan Addison. I know it didn't test well. I know it came in a little shorter, whatever. Uh, all all the negatives you want to put now, I, it's that is... 15% of what they are to me, these thresholds and these numbers and all that stuff, the film, the film shows a great elite wide receiver in Jordan Addison. I love him. Boletnikoff winner. Obviously, you know, I know that there's potential for Pittsburgh to take him, even though they just traded for Allen Robinson because Kenny Pickett is campaigning for Jordan Addison because they played together at Pitt before he transferred to USC. So I'm pumped on this guy. I, and it was one of those things where I was like, I don't think I'm going to take him off my board. There's a lot of guys that challenge, and there's a lot of great players, a lot of great wide receivers in this draft, especially at the top. Not quite the level of last year's draft, but they're still very, very good. What is it that edged out Jordan Addison for you over JSN? And I'm guessing it's just slightly. I think they're very close on your overall board, right? Yeah, one's uh, Addison 17th on the board, and JSN is 20th or 21st. But with 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 Addison, it's it's the route running. I mean, he's such a talented route runner and he's so shifty and that wins me over like 99% of the time. I love guys that can run stick routes, slant patterns, whip routes, and just lower their center of gravity, throttle down, sink their hips and change direction. And, and he can do it. He's a menace down in the red zone. He's going to create separation with ease. And I think that's the key is how consistent he is with creating that separation. Sure. He didn't have the blazing 40 time like we thought with the, you know, he ran the four, four, nine time. But his PR in the 100-meter dash was 10.85 seconds back in high school. Like He has shown over the course of his career of, of being an athlete, he can run. And I'm not worried about a guy running in a straight line, to be completely honest, because how many times is a guy running in a straight line? Like Not very often. Like They got to create separation. They got to get off press. They've got to operate in different ways, in and out of the slot, the whatever hands. it is. And I think... Yeah, and I think he can do that. Now, I will say with him, he did have 20 career drops at Pitt, but he, he greatly improved that over his his time with USC this past year. So I think there's a lot of intrigue with him of what he can do after the catch and, again, the short and intermediate areas of the field. So I love the skill set from him. He's slightly above JSN, and really it's just because JSN wasn't healthy this year. And I, I just wonder, you know, lower body ailment injuries, they come back up down the road. Always. So I always wonder with that and with, with him having that hamstring groin problem that he had, I think it could reoccur at some point for JSN. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's one, one of those things is was JSN sitting out because he knew he was going to the NFL draft and he's going to be a first yeah. round pick and, and all that. It's like, w was this not as bad as it maybe we thought it was. So that mm -hmm. does worry me about like the debate between those two. And when I say hands, I didn't mean catching the ball. Obviously uh, he's had a couple drops, which number one, I don't care about drops in terms of fantasy, unless that guy's getting yanked off the field for it. If he ain't getting yanked off the field, then I don't really care. Same thing with like Deontay drops the ball all the time. They're not pulling him. So, 
I don't care about the drops. They happen. They suck, especially when it's a major play or it's in the end zone or something. Nobody wants it. But what I when I say hands for uh, for Jordan Addison, and this is what uh, Zay Flowers did, and I've never seen anyone better than Antonio Brown at, at it. It's the hand fighting at the line when you're in a competitive uh, situation to get the ball. Uh, those guys can fight with their hands, and, and the big guys don't usually do that because they don't have to. They can body up. They can go up and get the ball. That's hand placement where you want your hands. But in terms of like giving a little shove and all that, I mean, Antonio Brown probably offensive pass interferes on every play. Like, but they don't call it because it's such, it's so subtle. He's so good with it. It's such a nuanced thing. And I think Addison has that as well. So uh, we're, we're team Addison over here. Fitz, where is Addison for you? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he is, I think, number four for me behind um, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Quentin Johnston and Zay Flowers. But I agree that um, it's it's the route running that you have to look at, not the testing numbers. And, you know, Keenan Allen was really pretty slow in the 40, if I recall, when he was coming out. And uh, but, you know, the route running obviously is has uh, given Keenan Allen a pretty good career. And when they asked him last year about, you know, who he compared himself to as a route runner, and he said Picasso. And, uh, you know, so Picasso's (laughs) already been. Yeah, (laughs) he's already been claimed. So maybe uh, Addison can be the Renoir of uh, route runners when he gets into the league. Um, So, Russell, speaking of speed, I mean, like uh, Jalen Hyatt can obviously fly, but you've called Cedric Tillman Hyatt's Tennessee teammate, uh, one of the more underrated players in this draft. What do you like about Tillman and do you like him more than Jalen Hyatt? I do like him more than Jalen Hyatt. I, I think the thing with Cedric Tillman is that he's got this size at 6'3", 213, and, and he's got that prototypical X receiver mold where we don't really have a lot of X receivers in this draft. Like You might be able to make that, that, that statement with Quentin Johnston, but we don't really know, and he can't really separate, and he doesn't always body the opposition. He hasn't shown it. Where Tillman, he shows great body control. He's able to high point the football consistently. In those 50-50 balls, he does a great job. So I think we'd be talking about Cedric Tillman more as a really early day two pick or potentially a back-end first-rounder if he would have been fully healthy this past year. He was dealing with the high ankle sprain in 2022. And and there's some concerns with overall deep speed. I mean, a four five three is nothing to to like, you know, ignore. I mean, there there's some some speed to his game, but he's very comparable to to Michael Pittman Jr. And I think when you just look at him, he he's gonna be a guy that can win in, in hitch routes, comebacks, you know, those comeback throws on those back shoulder throws, those fade routes. And I think he can run slants over the middle or dig routes over the middle. So I, I think there's a lot more with Tillman as far as a route running perspective. And then just really his tape is a lot, to, just to me, a lot more consistent than with Jalen Hyatt, where if you see some stuff from scouts, they're saying he's a kind of a one trick pony. He's all speed, no breaks, no nothing. And it's like, that's true. I mean, he's a vertical threat. And There's a couple times on tape with Jalen Hyatt where you'll see him run maybe an option route or like a hitch route or something like that. And then a few plays later, he'll, he'll break one loose and and go deep down the field. And he he showed that against Georgia, but ultimately like there wasn't much else that he was doing. So I think that's my biggest concern with Jalen Hyatt is just, there's all this speed, but we've seen it with these other receivers in the past. The speed doesn't always translate to just immediate success. You have to be able to run those routes and you have to find your your type of role. And we know speed has kind of been the thing in the NFL over time. Jalen Hyatt might just be a guy. I mean, there's probably going to be a team that takes him that already kind of has a player similar to him already on the roster because of all the speed that we've been seeing come to the NFL where Cedric Tillman, not every team has an X receiver. I think he can carve out a, a role right away. You think uh, Sky Moore and his lack of success last year has kind of made people afraid of the smaller guys like Josh Downs and Jalen Hyatt and stuff like that? Possible. I mean, I, I think Sky Moore was a little bit different. Like I watched him and I didn't really see it with him. I, I didn't understand the love with him and the buzz he was getting, I thought was very comparable to what we saw the previous year with Tutu Atwell. And <laughs> I, and I get Atwell's a bit of an outlier because he's I 165 pounds. I didn't understand pounds. that pick at all. So but uh, yeah, I was not yeah. in on Atwell at all. I was in on Sky yeah. Moore. 
yeah, I just I, I thought the buzz was very comparable in a way. Like those those players just kind of came out of left field, and all of a sudden people wanted to take him in the back end of the first round. And maybe Sky Moore will will do more with a better opportunity with Hardman gone, Juju's gone, stuff like that. But ultimately, I think each player is different. I think Josh Downs is different. He runs his routes at a different type of pace. And when I, I I've often said the pacing of of Josh Downs's routes are very comparable to Stefan Diggs. And I think the way he sinks his hips and throttles down and, and is able to change direction, I, I bet if you put them side by side, they're almost identical. And that's how I, I view Josh Downs, just a smaller version of Stefan Diggs that's going to operate primarily out of the slot in the NFL. And I, I think it's just a case-by-case basis where these guys end up. And Sky Moore might take off this year, but if he doesn't, then I think we might be able to have that conversation. Yeah, and it's um, you know, it's just the small guys or the slot only guys that people start to get worried about because it is you know, Paris Campbell had a lot of you know buzz going into the draft, but it was like he can only do one thing. He can only play yeah. in the slot. You press him at all. You give him any contact. He can't get off of it. And I think these guys are a little different. I you know because I mm-hmm. like Cedric Tillman too. And people who are listening to this podcast, that's two weeks in a row because Matt Waldman pumped up Cedric Tillman a bunch too. So it's made me go back and do a double take on Cedric Tillman. Yeah. And I, I definitely moved him up my board uh, the last week. Cause I'm like, man, Russell and Waldman. All right, let me go back and look at <laughs> it one more time. Uh, you know, j- just to check. And I did move him up. I still, I think I have uh Hyatt a little bit higher just cause you can't teach that speed. Uh, and he can snap off a route like crazy. He reminds me a little bit of Marquise Brown, but Marquise Brown was a little disappointing for what we expected him uh, to be in the NFL as well. Uh, my question is uh, for the wide receivers here, Russ, um, is there like a preferred landing spot you have for anyone? And it doesn't have to be any of the guys you mentioned. It could be, but is there anyone even deeper down the board where you're like, man, you just put this guy in, with this team, with this OC, with this quarterback, whatever it is that you just really are excited to see. Yeah, I've got two. I, I think Jaden Reed, if he ends up going to a team like the San Francisco 49ers, I love that fit. I know he visited with them. I think it would be a great fit for him as he can do kind of a, a variety of things, whether it's in the slot or outside. I mean, at, at 5'11", 187, some would suggest that he's primarily going to be a slot receiver, but I think he's got A-plus tracking ability for his size. I think he's got the ability to run routes at all three levels of the field. And he shows, you know, terrific run after the catch ability. So I think you put him in an offense that's designed by Kyle Shanahan. You can have a lot of fun there. And I think it would be just a great overall fit. Um, and maybe I'm just being biased because I'm wearing a Spartan shirt. I don't know. I think Jaden <laughs> Reed's going to be a hell of a pro. We'll see what happens. But the other fit would be Jonathan Mingo and actually seeing him in Detroit. I think Ben Johnson having a player like Jonathan Mingo, who would be by far the biggest receiver that they have on the roster because of just overall size, like, Marvin Jones is there, but he's 6'3", 198. You bring in a player like Mingo, he's 6'2", 220, and he's a versatile player. When he was in college at Ole Miss, he played as a running back. He played as an H-back. Like When I first started watching him, I thought he was a tight end. And then I'm like, oh, no, this guy's a slot receiver. Oh, wait, he's an X receiver. So he moves around, and I think Ben Johnson, Dan Campbell, would have a lot of fun with a player like that with his size. And then he runs a 4-4-6. I think you can you can do some things with a player like that, whether it's, you know, uh, pre-snap motions with orbit motions and jet motions, or you can line him up as an, an X receiver, or like I said, you could even put him as an H back and he could, you know, run to the flats or run wheel routes. And you throw that in there with Jamison Williams, Aminra St. Brown, Marvin Jones. I think there's a lot to be desired with an offense that, that has a player like Jonathan Mingo in Detroit. Well, two uh, quick follow-up comments before we get to the tight ends here. One is that you I love that Russell is such a football nerd that, you know, when we talk about ideal fits, rather than go someplace where, you know, there are no good tight ends, like he is totally <laughs> focused on scheme and coaching and who would be calling the plays because, you know, the, the two spots you mentioned, spots where there are already two pretty good wide receivers in place with Ayuk and Debo in San Francisco, uh, Amon Ra and JMO in Detroit. But yeah, schematically, those fit great and uh great to hear that you had mingo in mind because i love the guy man i think um like you know one of the first times i ever saw him playing for old miss like 
he caught a pass and there were like four guys jumping on top of him, trying to pull him down. And like, he's still pushing the pile forward. I mean, it reminded me of watching Sterling Sharp going way back uh, in my, you know, the Packer days of like the late eighties, where I think Sterling Sharp was probably like the toughest wide receiver to tackle I've ever watched. And sometimes I get that sense with Mingo. Like he does have a Sterling Sharp, Anquan Bolden, like, just try to DK Metcalf me. type size. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Where he is just one tough mother to bring down once he has the ball in his hand. So uh, Miss, I, I liked hearing that. Oh, Misfits is becoming wide receiver. You, I mean, you got oh, AJ Brown and, and DK Metcalf and not just I, wide receiver. You like big wide receiver. You Boggs. like yeah. that, that is where the alpha, the big alphas come from, man. I mean, like, they just and, seem and to have three a monopoly seasons, on those guys. In three seasons, Judkins. I don't know how much you got to watch of him, Fitz, the the uh, freshman oh, yeah. running back for Ole Miss. <laughs> We're going to be Zach talking Evans, about him on so, this show a bunch exactly. in a couple of years. Yeah. Um, all right, Russell. So you talked about Michael Mayer at the top of the show. And obviously, if you consider him a, a surefire first rounder in like dynasty rookie drafts, you're pretty high on him. Um, is he your favorite tight end in this draft class? And do you think he has a chance to be the best pass catching tight end? Uh, you know, even though people have made comparisons with Dalton Kincaid being like a, a poor man's Travis Kelsey. Yeah, it's it's very close between the two. Um, and I really wanted to to have a first round grade on, on Dalton Kincaid. But the biggest downside was just him coming off the back. And I'm like, I think he's going to go in the first round, but I'm like, man, like coming off a of back, you just never know. And and I know, you know, players like Gronkowski was, was able to play through back injuries and things like that, but he's a, I mean, he's a hall of fame tight end. I don't know if Dalton Kincaid's going to be a hall of fame tight end. We'll see. But that said, yeah, I think Mayer's the safe pick. I think he's one of the more overlooked players in this draft. I mean, to see a player that has been so consistent over the course of his career at 6'5, 250. He runs a 4'7, not a blazing speed, but I'm not, I don't need my tight end to be the fastest tight end in, in the in the league. I need a guy to be consistent over the middle of the field. And I think he's just that running stick routes, running out routes, running dig patterns. I mean, the crossing patterns, there's so much to be desired with him. And even if you go back two years ago, there's a, a play, I, I believe they're playing either Cincinnati or Toledo. Notre Dame was, but it was when Jack Cohn was the, the the quarterback and it's when he dislocated his thumb or whatever, and they're wearing the green jerseys. But uh, Michael Mayer runs this, this uh, stick route. And it, it was the, it's like the best route I've ever seen from a tight end before. And he has some juice for a player of his size. So I think a lot of people just kind of put him in this, this realm of like, Jason Witten's or something like that. And this, and it's like not sexy, just kind of boring, but I'm fine with that. If, if that, if that, who he, he becomes like perfect. So I, I think ultimately he's a first rounder. I think he's a top 20 pick. I think when you look at a team like green Bay, he makes a lot of sense. I think a team like Washington, you know, with Eric B coming over there and how he values the tight end position. If he gets his hands on a player like that, we might be talking about Michael Mayer as maybe like a, a baby Travis Kelsey, but Dalton Kincaid, I will say, is probably the best pure hands catcher in this year's draft, just consistently catching away from his body, only one career drop. And he fits the the mold of the NFL tight end today at 6'4", 245. And, and it's because of his vertical threat ability. I think he can run routes vertically and he can run routes over the middle of the field. So both those guys will go somewhere in the first round and, and they very well could go, you know, kind of back to back there, uh, one at 15 and one at 16. We'll kind of see how that plays out. Is should we stop comparing tight ends to Travis Kelsey? I mean, he, he's a unicorn. He's gonna yeah. go down as the best tight end in the history of the NFL. We should stop comparing guys to Travis Kelsey, right? I mean, it's just absurd. It's fair. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's fair. I was just gonna say we've also been hearing those Jason Witten, Michael Mayer comps for quite a while too. You know, I don't mind that one. Jason Witten is a fantastic tight end very good always in the top three in terms of fantasy during his whole career that's fine but kelsey you know like joe was running his rpv numbers and kelsey is going to have the highest rpv of any position that he's ever done from from this year right like he's just he is on a different plane so i just think we should stop comparing anybody to travel it's like comparing wide receivers to jerry rice there's not another jerry rice <laughs> 
just, you know, everyone's like, well, Randy Moss had better numbers. Yeah. Well, they threw the ball 40 times a game with, with uh, Randy Moss. You know, they're throwing it 15 times a game with Jerry Rice and he put up all those numbers. So, you know, it, it's just, it, you know, it's not apples to apples here. Uh, so that that's uh, too much. Travis Kelsey. I did it too. I, I looked at Musgrave and I'm like, man, I can see it. I, cause he can block, he can block better than, than Kincaid. I'm like, I can see it, but I, you know, shouldn't do it. Uh, you know, I, I think we should put, we should put a break on, on that. Maybe, maybe throw a little more Kyle Rudolph out there. Or there something you like go. That. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, anybody else, you, you don't compare guys to Tony Gonzalez and Travis Kelsey. So compare me to Antonio Gates. I don't care. Uh, but, right. uh, yeah, the Travis Kelsey one is, I think it's just too much, but how about Darnell Washington? I mean, he is a polarizing and Fitz and I have had a hard time kind of like knowing where we want to put him in a super flex, couple super flex moxes and mocks that we did moxes, uh, mocks that we did. Like we know he's going to be on the field because his blocking is unbelievable. He's probably the best blocker. If you put him in Cincinnati on the offensive line today, you know, but, um, it, it, and David Njoku got mired in that blocking role, and we saw more, uh, you know, production out of Harrison Bryant for a while. So, is that the fear for fantasy with Darnell Washington? And what do you see his ceiling as? I think that is part of the fear, and I also think just some of the injury history with him is is what I fear for him. And and I mean, when he gets to the next level, when he's running up the seam, which he does really well, he's going to take some shots when he's running underneath, he's going to get upended. And there's going to be times he's going to try to hurdle somebody. He's going to get upended. I mean, <laughs> he, and I always say this and, and TJ Hawkinson broke me. No tight end should ever hurdle ever again. And if you make it as like your frequent go-to move, you're going to end up getting hurt. And Washington, he's shown that he can do it on tape. There's times he tries to do it a little bit too much. And at 6'7", 264, I don't need you jumping, guys. I just don't. But <laughs> Run him over. <laughs> I, I, it, right, exactly. But I, I think he's a big physical player. And, and like I mentioned with the injuries, he had a foot injury uh, back in 2021. It kept him out four games. He had an ankle strain and a, and a soft tissue bruise that uh, occurred, you know, before the college football playoff games, and and that kind of limited him a little bit. So I think that those injuries can pile up, and and obviously we'll see how it, it happens. But I, I love the fit to Cincinnati. I'm glad that you mentioned that that spot because I think it's a need. I know they brought in Irv Smith, but it's a need there, and, and I think continue to put weapons around Joe Burrow, compete in the AFC, try to outscore everybody, and when you can bring in that type of player, you can you can go ahead and, and have him block like you mentioned. And I think that's the key. He's going to play early. And if, if he doesn't go to a place like Cincy, I'm very intrigued with a place like Las Vegas. I think Vegas at 38 was where I originally thought going into this draft was a perfect landing spot, even with Darren Waller. Now that Darren Waller's gone, the way that they value the tight end position there with Josh McDaniels, I think I think Washington would be a great fit there, especially with Josh Jacobs. He can block. And then when Jacobs isn't running the football, you can have him release up the seam or run an out pattern or a stick route or something like that. And he's going to be very efficient there. So I, I like the fit for, for Washington as a top 40 pick. And ultimately we could see Cincinnati or like I said, Las Vegas. Awesome. Yeah. It's going to be a fun draft. We're ready. We're, you know, we're seven days away as we're recording this. So uh, we're going to get there pretty fast, but remember to check us out on the YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash fantasy pros. For the first round of the NFL draft, uh, we will be there uh, breaking it down. The Fantasy Pros crew will be. Russ, thank you for coming on again. Please plug your Twitter. Tell everyone where they can find you and what you got coming up. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Russ NFL Draft. As I say on every podcast or radio, smash the follow button for me. Uh, but pretty much the only stuff coming up is Mock Draft 3.0, the final one that will be graded nationally through the Huddle Report and obviously through Fantasy Pros. Uh, last year we finished ninth. We're going to try to beat that. We're on a pretty good two-year average as I've been only doing those mock drafts for two years. So we'll see. Uh, but other than that, you know, my draft guide released today. Uh, it's free to download. There's an article out there by me about uh, four underrated players that weren't in my draft guide that I talked about. Rishi Rice, Isaiah McGuire, some other players. So you can check that out. The guide is in there. And uh, it's free to download. If you're feeling generous, you want to throw beer money to me, please don't. Just go ahead and click the two charities that are on page two there, Wounded Warriors Project and Ronald McDonald House Charities. Give back to the people that need it most. Um, and then other than that, you know, just 
more draft stuff all over at Fantasy Pros. And I appreciate you guys for letting me come on. Of course, of course. Great analysis, great dude. Also, Russell, thank you for joining us. Fitzy at Fitz underscore FF. You can find me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. That will wrap it up for us today. But please remember, check us out next week. We're going to be all over the place. So if you want to see us, you can find us on the Twitter for sure. But that will wrap it up for us. We'll see you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Football Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com dot com slash compatibility.